Welcome to episode 20 of When Fear Reigns. I'm your host, Ben Workington, joined, of course, by Dr. John Parlow, resident expert on all things end times. Today, and our- now they're turning the <laughs> podcast off because we're lying, obviously. No way. We're talking about the last things, Judgment Day, end times, uh, that fa- fancy word. Eschatology. eschatology. Absolutely. So... Um, as our listeners can probably understand, Ben's battling a cold and sinuses, or maybe some allergies, or what? maybe the, I don't know what you're the trifecta. About. So just understand, our listeners, we apologize ahead of time. He's probably hyped <laughs> up on NyQuil at this point. So we're, we're well. Today's DayQuil. NyQuil day- as last night. Well, Hopefully I don't that's know. worn off by this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> Do you get all your Christmas shopping done? Uh, I got a little bit of Christmas shopping done. Of course, we did Christmas decoration. I've been kind of out sick all week, so I uh, started Christmas decorating by Wednesday night and then Thursday and Friday. So you haven't night. been married long enough to know uh, Christmas decorating for the guy usually means you haul up all the Christmas yeah, decorations right. from the that's basement right. yep. and let your wife, who has the talent most of the time, Go ahead and do that. You can risk your life trying to put Christmas lights up on the second floor gutters. But other than that, you were just there to take boxes up and take boxes down. Pretty much. And get on ladders. Inside ladders. Absolutely. That's right. That's good. So I got that that job. I'm good at that. Not risking my life too much, I hope. But um, as we think about these end times topics, John, do you have any words of advice for us? Just as we think about from a 30,000 foot, before we get into any specific things we should keep in mind as we jump into this topic. Well, a couple of things. Let's realize that we're in the Advent season of the, the church calendar. Advent meaning the, the arrival or the coming of Christ. And oftentimes Christians throughout the church history would go ahead and, and remind people, certainly of Jesus' first coming as the cradle has a cross looming over it that he came to die so that we might live. But also Christians at this time of year would also, at least in one message, would talk about uh, Jesus' second coming. And so it's fitting that we're talking about that now. And as we do, just like any subject in the scriptures, you want to make sure you interpret it correctly. And another fancy word that sometimes our listeners will hear about that is hermeneutics. And there are some basic principles to hermeneutics. I'll just give you eight, but there's probably nine or ten or even more. One is, the chief one is let scripture interpret scripture. Generally speaking, the more difficult passages on a certain subject, let's say the end times, will be clearly uh, understood or you will better understand what what God is saying there through the easier to understand passages on the same subject. So let scripture interpret scripture. God's not in the habit of being confusing. He's not going to say one thing about a subject over here and then the direct opposite over here. God doesn't do that. So uh, interpret the more difficult passages by using the ones that are less difficult to understand. Also, make sure the meaning, the phrase, the sentence... All of those things, don't take them out of their context. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. So often people will take passages out of their context to fit their own uh, beliefs or their own intuition. Third is interpret the scriptures knowing that the goal of the interpretation is not to discover some hidden truth. God's pretty clear. Or your own unique uh, interpretation. The main point of the Old and New Testament is God graciously has sent a Savior for us. And so the Old Testament and, and some of the New as well simply is like a curtain. We use the word revelation. He's pulling back a curtain to give you more insights and more details about the Savior to come, who came that first time in the form of a a child. And then he does the same thing with eschatology. He gives us uh, some different pictures in the Old Testament, especially in the New Testament, some more details on how he will come one final time. You want to also make sure that you interpret Scripture uh, in, in the way that it's given. 
In other words, the genre it's given. If we're talking about mm-hmm. a narrative in history, mm-hmm. then you're taking it literally. Uh, if it's in figurative language like Daniel and Ezekiel or parts of those uh, books as well as Revelation, then you take it um, literally too in the sense that that's figurative language. You want to take it literally, not literalistically. And that's oh, where yeah. people get in trouble sometimes where they'll take some vision or, or figure and then make that literal. And that's where you get into trouble, especially we will in Revelation or some people yeah. do. Especially numbers seem to be. People yep. do that all the yep. time. We'll Revelation. be talking about that. 144,000, 7, right. 4, right. 3. Thousand, all yeah. of that. Thousand. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, don't interpret scripture in light of your own personal experience because our experiences and feelings are are marred by sin and often not good at all in light of Scripture. Uh, Luther one time said, reason is the devil's handmaiden of Scripture. I think he said that to Karlstadt when Karlstadt was trying to figure out how Jesus' body and blood can be with the bread and the wine and the Lord's Supper at the same time. And Luther said, well, you know, this is where Scripture trumps reason. Yeah. Uh, reason doesn't trump Scripture. And that was one of the problems some had in the Reformation. Well, six, when interpreting the Scriptures, investigate the meaning of words in their original language. Mm-hmm. A good example I often use is the word hope. Uh, in our English language, it's like, we're not really sure it's going to happen. I, I hope the Packers make the playoffs yeah, or your favorite yeah. NFL team. That's one thing. When hope is used in the scriptures, is talking about a certainty, mm. the sure hope of heaven mm. because of what Jesus has done. Seven, interpret scripture bearing in mind the biblical examples um, are authoritative only when they're supported by a command. And this is something you and I learned mm-hmm. in seminary, prescriptive and descriptive passages. Mm-hmm. Prescriptive passages, those that give us a command, are the ones that determine doctrine. Descriptive passages often in the Old and New Testament will simply tell us how God worked through his people, with his people, among his people. Certainly we see things God did, but those aren't commanded. Often you see this in baptism where people will say, well, see, you got to get baptized in a river. Yeah. Yeah. Or in a place where you can be immersed. Or they, they take things not only out of their context, but they say more than Scripture does, and they're changing a descriptive passage into a prescriptive passage. You'll see that with worship formats as well sure. in the so-called yeah. worship wars in, in churches today. And finally, interpret the Scriptures, keeping in mind that Christians are living in the new covenant instituted by Jesus, not the old covenant that God gave Israel through whom he'd bring the Savior physically the first time. You see, for example, in Mark chapter 7, Mark says, and in doing so, Jesus points out that all foods now are are clean. You can Mm -hmm. eat them. They were unclean somewhere in the Old Testament to make sure God's people stayed uniquely God's people so the Savior would continue to come. Or in Acts chapter 10, God says to Peter, get up, kill, and eat. So no longer are things unclean. I had to tell Peter that three times because Peter was such a good Jew. Mm -hmm. But it's... uh, you know, the, the idea that, that we're not, we don't live underneath that Old Testament um, civil and ceremonial law or Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 talk about that even when it comes to worship. So keep all of those things in mind, especially as you talk about the last times or the end times, eschatology, because mm-hmm. so many people love talking about this because it's exciting. It's What's amazing is your imagination can run wild with you. And so that's why it, it's so titillating for people to talk about. So I, I would keep all eight of those things in mind at this point. That's good, and I think it, it grounds how you read Scripture, because this, too, is revealed by God, right? Daniel, Ezekiel, Revelation, some of the most famous kind of fantastical language and, and images God gave to his people and to recognize that that's for a reason, not to let your imagination run wild with it, but to to draw you closer to him and better see Jesus and better see Yeah, and, and again, it, God tells us what we need to know, and mm-hmm. he wants to keep us alert for the second time Jesus comes. He's yeah. coming only once more. And that's in victory. Mm -hmm. And I think if I could kind of, if I go back through your eight points, a lot of them are just kind of responsible reading of scripture. Uh, 
kind of mature reading of scripture, not looking for the next movie plot or whatever. Sure. Um, but there's one I, I noticed was it number five or number six that was kind of reading the words and the context in their times. That one's kind of a tough one because I don't live in 7th century exilic, post-exilic Israel, or I don't live in 1st century Palestine. How do I kind of read those with uh, culture and context in mind? What, what are some ideas for that? I think the greatest advice and, and greatest answer I've ever received when that to that good question was given to me by Professor Secret Becker at seminary, who said, you'll understand the figurative portions of Daniel and Ezekiel, and especially in the New Testament Revelation, if you understand the Bible in general, mm. especially the Old Testament really gives you insights into what Jesus is trying to communicate to us in the book of Revelation. But I would tell people who, who want to start this, and a lot of people want to start reading Revelation because everyone wants yeah, to teach on yeah, Revelation, yeah. And hear Revelation taught and so on. I recommend people start with the Gospels or the, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' disciples. I'd start with John or Luke. Luke's very exact. He's, he's a doctor and God uses that personality to make sure he gives us details that some of the other Gospel writers don't include. But I'd start with those two because you want to always focus on Jesus and his ministry and why he came and what he did when he was here and then go from there and then branch out about what he taught and what mm -hmm. his disciples taught as they were taught by Jesus. You always start with Jesus. He is the central focus of both the Old and New Testament, not the end times. He has a lot to say about the end times, mm -hmm. and we'll touch on that. Mm -hmm. But you start with Jesus. And so I encourage people who are really interested in the end times, start with the one who's going to be coming back. Mm -hmm. See what he did the first time he was here. Mm -hmm. And so I'd start with the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life and ministry with the gospel accounts. Yeah, I've heard that advice too, that for every time you read Revelation, you should read the rest of the Bible five times. Because it points back, it uses such rich language. Well, you'll see that, yeah, you'll see the same author. God's the same right, author, and so right. he'll often use those same pictures. Right, right. We've been talking a little bit about Ezekiel, Daniel, and Revelation, but though the idea of the end times is not limited to those kind of large allegories or large images of Scripture, um, Jesus himself talks about the end times. In fact, in, is it Matthew 24, he talks about the 25. signs of the end times. Signs of the end times, right. What, so can you walk us through some of those things, some of those signs, and why why would Jesus put his disciples on alert like that? Sure. Um, first of all, let me give a uh, just a plug. We're going to affect, by the time people hear this episode, this podcast, we will have uh, spent uh, a time in a message called Birth Pains. Uh, here at St. Mark Ministries with this very uh, subject in mind. That's really very much important. Uh, first of all, I, I would say this. Um, Jesus gives us those signs of the times or what Jesus calls in, I think, Matthew 24, verse 8, birth pains. He gives them to us not so we can try to figure out the exact day of his coming. You can't do that. Jesus himself said, listen, no one knows that day or that hour, just the, the Father in heaven does, but rather to keep us alert. Hmm. He does tell us in his word that as Judgment Day approaches, the, the victory of our Lord, the distant triumph song, that those signs of the times like earthquakes and calamities and the love of most will grow cold and the increase of wickedness, that's going to intensify and it's going to probably become more frequent. Mm. And that's not for us to go, okay, because he didn't tell us there'll be 19 earthquakes a day before I come. <laughs> or, you know, this is how people are really going to act toward Christians. Mm -hmm. He just says it's going to get worse. And he does that not so we can figure out an exact date, but rather so we can stay alert and keep first things first. And that is our relationship with Jesus. Hmm. And really those are, if I he I'm hearing you correctly, just to kind of keep us on our toes so we don't fall back and get complacent like, oh, Jesus will come back. 
a thousand years from now. No, he might come back today. Look, all these signs are fulfilled. Sure. And even already in the disciples, they could look at all those signs, right? And say, well, we can point to evidence of these today. And it's also an act of love because when you see these things occur, it's very easy to become frightened and think, oh man, our society, our country, our culture, this blue marble we call earth is, is going out of control. It's chaotic. And yet Jesus told us ahead of time so that we'd realize, oh, don't worry, don't worry. I told you ahead of time that this is going to happen, mm-hmm. but don't worry, I'm, I'm the one that will come back in victory for you. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, so we're looking, really, again, looking for him. This is, there's a theme growing in this eschatological, is that what you're saying? There you say? go. Theme. I don't, um, I'm not sure I can spell that, but I can say it. <laughs> now we're headed, we're pointing to Jesus. We're always keeping our eyes on Jesus, not coming in the manger, but coming in judgment on the, the second time. That's good. Uh, there are, are a lot of concepts that kind of get percolated around general Christianity uh, on the topic of end times. Uh, and it seems like many of them are kind of lying in the sand kind of topics that people will say, well, if you're on this side or you feel this perspective, if you're on this side, we like you. On the other side, we don't like you. Um, and which is strange. They're kind of used as litmus tests. I'd like to go through just one by one kind of lightning round style, uh, go through these ideas and get your take on them and how confident we can be of the different perspectives or where, where people get those different perspectives. All right, here we go. Ready? Yep. Millennialism. All right. Millennialism uh, is a false doctrine that is, uh, at least the way most people believe and teach it, uh, that many will try to base in Revelation chapter 20. Let me just back up and talk about kind of where it came from history's sake. Um, it, it's part of dispensationalism, which is kind of a false interpretation and approach to scripture developed by a guy, I believe in the late 1800s by the name of John Nelson uh, Darby. He, he divided history really into two distinct parts where he had uh, the history for the nation of Israel, God's earthly people, and uh, for the church itself, God's heavenly people. And when Israel rejected Jesus, uh, he kind of created uh, and created the church with Gentiles, non-Jews. Uh, Darby proposed that God would rapture the church before something he called the Great Tribulation and eventually set up a political millennial kingdom, that's where that comes in, in Israel, where Christ would rule physically and politically and in a very visible way. So that got really popularized uh, toward, uh, I would say, the late 1800s, early 1900s in a number of conferences. The Niagara Conference was one of them. And then it got widely accepted when a man put what we to get today would call the study Bible together, the Schofield Reference Bible. Mm-hmm. And he there has fancy pictures of seven dispensations, seven different times he believes God's working in. Millennialism is this belief, and there's a lot of different teachings in this, premillennialism, postmillennialism, yeah. and a lot of different variations in those. The idea that there's a thousand years when God's going to come up and set up his kingdom. And there will be a time of peace in Israel. And, and, and many believe at that time all Jews on this earth will believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Savior, period. And then after that, Jesus will have Judgment Day. Now, as we said before, in Revelation, the numbers in Revelation are used in a figurative way. And right. that's something that you have to keep in mind. I mean, all you have to do is read Revelation and you see that they're used in a number of different ways. Ten is usually, or multiples of ten, like a millennium, a thousand, is used for God's completion, his plan is completed. But you can't take that, you can't take that any more, uh, literalistically than because you have, for example, in that very chapter, you have, uh, Satan being changed. Well, he's a spirit. He's not chained. Yeah. Right. You have in Revelation nine, you've got these locusts coming out of the pit of hell with breastplates and gold crowns. Yeah. Uh, Revelation seven, 
says there's 144,000 that no one can count. So we, we know that the numbers like seven, God's work on this earth, 10, God's completion, four, uh, just what happens on this earth, those numbers often represent something that God's mm. trying to communicate. And again, to take a figurative portion of scripture and make it like a narrative, like historical, yeah. is taking it out of the context in which the Holy Spirit wrote it. Gotcha. So that's, a lot of people will see that it's the millennial kingdom, and you'll hear a lot of people believe that, and there are, there are many who believe that, even today in evangelical Christianity. Gotcha. And I think that leads nicely into Zionism, Zion. You want to go to rapture first? I want to do rapture first. Let's okay. do the rapture okay. first. You just talked about Yeah. The rapture okay. is this idea that God goes ahead and removes all of the believers out uh, seven years before he's going to come again, either to start his millennial kingdom, as some would say, or to bring judgment day. It depends on what flavor of millennialism you're, you're believing in. And then the people who are still here will have still seven years maybe to get their act together. Now, there's a <laughs> lot of reasons this is wrong, but uh, the chief one is it is a gross misunderstanding of First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. That section explains what Jesus does on the last day that he visibly returns to this world. Uh, he raises the dead and gathers Christians to himself who are still alive on this earth at his return. They're caught up into the, to the, to the air, to the clouds to meet the Lord. That happens on the last day, not prior to it. People mm. are simply taking that portion of scripture out of its context to really mesh with their fanciful interpretations or what they want scripture to say. Gotcha. And Zionism? Zionism is the belief that Israel plays an important role in Jesus' millennial kingdom. In fact, as I mentioned before, that all Jewish people on this earth will come to faith in Jesus. And Paul really makes it clear that the nation of Israel, as referred to in Romans chapter 9 through 11, is just believers in the true God, mm -hmm. just as Abraham believed in the true God. So also those who trust in the true God who sent his son, right, physically starting with Abraham long time ago, are really the new Israel today. And as I yeah. said in a previous message, you know, you don't need to take a 23andMe test to realize that as a Jesus follower, you have a little Israelite hanging in your tree, mm -hmm. right? And, and who knew? So that's often the belief that um, Israel plays such an important role and you got to treat them nicely. Otherwise, God's not going to come back. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, how about Armageddon? Armageddon mentioned in the Revelation. A best explanation of that is it's referring to the mountain of Megiddo. Okay. In the Old Testament, a lot of battles occurred on that area and on the plains of that area. Har is a Hebrew word for mountain, I believe. Mm -hmm. And for example, one of the great battles was in 1 Kings 18, where you have Elijah taking on the prophets of Baal. And I, again, again, if you know the Old Testament and you see that referenced in Revelation, you'll know, well, God's just talking about the spiritual battle yeah. that he's yeah. won over the devil on our behalf. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea. And that Revelation points out when Jesus comes again, guess what? It's done. Battleson. Mm -hmm. Right now, the devil might have a, a little time to run around like a lion on a leash, mm -hmm. but he's on a leash. He's limited and he knows his time is limited. Gotcha. Uh, how about tribulation? Yeah, tribulation uh, often talks about, some believe that the seven years of the rapture, there's going to mm -hmm. be great tribulation in this world. And again, they get that number out. I don't know where they get that number. Maybe out of... It's a good number, seven. It's, it's a good number, seven, <laughs> or something like that. Scripture doesn't teach that special period uh, at all. In fact, it tells us in Acts chapter 14 that in this world, we're going to have a lot of trouble, right, all the time. Mm -hmm. Some people get this from Revelation where it says three and a half years described in Revelation time times 
and half a time, yeah. 42 months is figurative expression for really the whole New Testament era. That's probably the best explanation for this. Okay. That's especially true in Revelation 12, where you see the three and a half years begins with Christ's ascension and ends with his final return. return. Gotcha. Gotcha. So with all these images, all these, this language, with everything, all the interpretations about the end times, it can get pretty easy to get carried away as a Jesus follower. Help us, help ground us in just a few of the key takeaways we need to keep in mind, uh, even when we're not quite sure what to make of all these these images. As I've said before, you want to focus on Jesus' finished work on the cross. The problem with all the different dimensions of millennialism is that it empties Christ's finished work on the cross. You really don't need him to save you, or you do, but you don't have to take it that seriously because maybe mm. you get a second chance sure. or a third chance. And plus, people also water down God's law, his wrath against your sin and my sin and sin in this world, and judgment itself, you just kind of, you weaken it. Not only that is, it, it, the scripture is very clear about the timeline of Jesus' second coming. It's simple. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need anything added to it. He's coming one more time. It's going to be visibly done. It's going to be loud. You're not going to go, what is that? Is that thunder? Right? The sky fills with angels. You'll know when he's here again. No questions it's left. It's not going to be you know, CBS or NBC or Fox News or CNN telling you, Jesus lands on the Mount of Olives, yeah. going to tour America this Tuesday. That's not going to happen. All right? And plus, remember, God tells us everything we need to know. Hmm. Not everything we might want to know. And that's true sometimes in the end times. Mm-hmm. Focus on what you need to know, that Jesus has redeemed you and that he's coming back one more time for the distant triumph song to to be the victor or to show that he is the victor and give us the victory he's won for us on the cross with mm-hmm. an empty grave as well. And then we get to start that reunion that never ends, the party that never ends, mm-hmm. all because of what Christ has done for us. So that's what I'd encourage our listeners to remember. When things go a little chaotic in our land, in our culture, on this planet, realize the one who's in control is the bronze Galilean who stood on the Mount of Olives and told his disciples long ago, this the first time. Relax, be Mm -hmm. alert, I'm coming again. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. I hope that talking through this has helped you a little bit. Uh, There's a lot to think through when it comes to the end times. And thanks to Dr. Parlow for helping us think through some of those passages and concepts. Did you enjoy this episode? Make sure you like and comment on our Facebook and Instagram pages. We really do appreciate your interactions on social media. We monitored it, and uh, your comments helped to make the show better. Speaking of comments, I wanted to share with you a comment from Odyssey 2017 on Apple Podcast. Uh, Odyssey 2017 says this, Dr. John, Parlow, and Pastor Ben Workentine offer a solid, practical approach for a biblical worldview. Their presentations are relevant, historical, and can be easily shared with others. Those who may not know Jesus or have followed him all their lives will thoroughly enjoy a style on this podcast. The mirror is a conversation Paul might have had with Timothy. My family and I regard eagerly await new episodes. Thanks so much, Odyssey 2017. Uh, leave a comment. Uh, we'll maybe read it uh, live on our episode. But we hope that our conversation today has helped make room in your life for the fear of God to reign for you. 